sing it. Believe it or not, I was walking on air. Thought I could be so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's L.E. It's a little tribute to Al Ewing. We got a fixed. We got a few fixed coming through in the comments. Look at this. Look at this. Forge is, it has nothing on me. Absolutely nothing. Except for a previous relationship with Storm. I cannot claim that. Okay. So as I was saying, also limited comics that I've read today. Um, now, that could be a problem, but we'll see. We'll see. Get in your thoughts. Get in your comments. Get in your questions. Let's do this. Let's just let's just talk about some things and see what happens. Okay, news. Uh, Comic Book Herald, the website that I own, operate, and run, is rapidly approaching 1,000 ranked graphic novels, runs, comic book stories. Okay, I am officially at 980 ranked comics right now. Um, I need your help. I'm requesting help from everyone that I trust as I approach 1,000. I am looking for recommendations for comics that could get into my top 10. So picks for your favorite comics of all time. Or I am looking for comics that you think are the worst comics of all time and could fit in my bottom 25. Now... Had I, you know what? Can we do some, can we do another thing on the fly? Now I'm just getting risky. Now I'm getting absolutely reckless. Okay, but we're gonna do it. You, you know what? Like this this is this is just absolutely streaming science that I am pulling off today. I'm confident I fixed the mic. I'm gonna try to do something else on the fly. This could get weird. All right, if it wasn't already. This could get even weirder. Let's try something. Can I add my screen? Let's see. Window capture. Okay. There we go. Add it. Add it, baby. Boom. Screen capture. Y'all seeing this? Okay, so here is the shared list of Dave's faves. This has gone out to those of you that back us for my marvelous year in slack channel there um if you're backing us at uh patreon.com slash my marvelous year and you have slack access which if you're not i mean it's great great benefit great perk you could be doing that look at this look at me playing with fire banksy Woo! baby i'm smoking right now i am hot cool me somebody cool me down nba jam it baby he's on fire here is the shared list of the best comics of all time countdown to 1000 if you get access to this link you will be able to see one through 980 now if you're thinking don't you just publish this stuff on comic book heralds uh yes except on comic book heralds best comics of all time which <laughs> we're here let's just find it all right i google the best comics of all time i get google scraping my site that's garbage i get some other sites <clears throat> we go to cbh I published the top 500 on Comic Book Herald, okay? We get Watchmen through, what's it going to be? What's number 500 right now? 
all the way down, baby. Ranked 500 Comics, Are You Listening? by Tilly Walden. But what you're going to see, if you play along here and help me count down to 1,000, is all the way to 980, which means there's about 500 more comics that I've ranked here that were never meant for human consumption. They were never meant for human eyes, including my bottom 25 of all time. Starts with Doomsday Clock, works its way down to the worst comic book I've ever read, Marvel. Okay, so if you want to participate here, here's what I'm going to do. For those of you that are here live, here's the link. I'm popping this puppy in the chat right now. You can check it out. You can join. You can play along. Oh, no. Now I'm showing. Am I showing the live stream? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, thank goodness. I'm, I, I'm still showing. <laughs> Just part the window. Okie doke. You've got the link, baby. You've got it. You can join in. You can see all of the rankings, number one through 980, if you're here with us live. And uh, I want to know, what are your picks for comics that I'm missing that are the best of all time? And could compete with number 10, Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus Volume 1 through 3, a.k.a. Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, John Romita. First 104 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. What could compete with that? Get inside the top 10 or go the other way. Get nasty. Get dirty. What's worse than Doomsday Clock? What's worse than Ultimatum? What's worse than every incarnation of Alpha Flight? Not much. Not much. But you got to let me know, okay? I mean, honestly, I'm mostly looking for Goodreads. <laughs> I would prefer that folks uh, played along by suggesting comics they think I might like. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I don't want to see. I don't want to see you say, oh, you should, read, uh, you should read V for Vendetta. That's a good one I don't see. Listen. Listen. Hit me with a control find, please, for the love of of Alan Moore and see that V for Vendetta is the 729th ranked comic of all time. That's right. Officially 729. Some of these rankings, they may shock you. They may startle you. They may scare you. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Here's the thing. This is my list. Personal preferences may, of course, differ. The main difference here, the main difference between my taste and yours is you have no such list. That's right. Throwing the gauntlet down. You have no such list. Publish your own 1,000 if you want to see V for Vendetta do better. I'm already taking issue. I'm already taking issue with your suggestion that I've made up and added into my head here. Uh, no, I listen. This was not... I did not mention Doomsday Clock to hear defenses of Doomsday Clock. <laughs> How dare you? How dare any of you? Let's see. Of my bottom 25... The ones that are probably the most controversial, Doomsday Clock has its supporters. Um, putting anything by Jack Kirby at the worst comics of all time is just kind of inherently controversial. Kirby's the king. Kirby is amazing. Kirby is excellent. Cannot read his Black Panthers. Atrocious. <laughs> really awful. I will not hear otherwise. Uh, Thanos Rising. Probably not a lot of folks think of that being one of the worst comics of all time by Jason Aaron and Simone Bianchi. Very talented creators. Uh, that comic stinks. That is torture porn for Thanos' mom. No thank you. Didn't need it. What else in here might be controversial? We got two... Uh, we we got two post Hoxpox entries, Fallen Angels and X Corp. Uh, yeah, those are bad. I actually moved those up, if you can believe it. I actually had those ranked way lower, like bottom five, 
like definitely bottom 10. And then that that was pretty clearly some recency bias creeping in. <laughs> that was that was pretty clearly influenced by uh, my just sheer disappointment in comparison to what was expected. But I, listen, they're still not good. Um, anything else here that could be shocking? We did a, we did just do a reread of Amazing Spider-Man Sins Past. This was for My Marvelous Year. To finish out our coverage of Marvel Comics published in 2004, Zach, our co-host, got to do a Dean's List. He does one literally every every 10 years of coverage. And uh, he, of course, had to add in Sins Past because he genuinely really likes the comic. He thinks Sins Past is actually pretty good and that its uh, reputation is one of the worst Spider-Man stories of all time is is unfair that it is that it is much maligned and that it is more of a fandom problem than a comic problem. That episode is going to come out in my mouth here within the next couple of weeks. It's a really good back and forth. It's a really good episode. But in rereading Sin's past, I realized I actually dislike this more than I remembered. <laughs> I, I think it's actually worse than I remembered it being. So I have it as the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seventh worst comic of all time. Fighting words. Fighting words. But uh, I'm happy to put it there. A lot of folks obviously like Wanted. Uh, I hated Wanted. I think it's terrible. It's not as bad as Nemesis, also written by Mark Miller and uh, and Marvel. Marvel is the worst comic of all time. If you can unseat Marvel, you are the true, dirtiest, nastiest little comic boy out there. <laughs> all right, you heard it here first. But hey, the link is in the show notes, or the link is in the the chat now. If you're here with us live. You can suggest comics to me that I should add uh, by, you can email them to me, David Comic Book Herald. Uh, you can message them to me on, geez, I don't even, the social, I guess. Um, uh, what's the best place to do it? Good golly. You can put them here in the chat. I'll probably see it. Demaria says, Pixies, Pixie Strikes Back is the worst comic I've ever read. I initially started reading that as Pixies Strike Back, which I guess would just be a savage burn on the Pixies reunion tours with old Frank Black and Kim Deal finally getting back together over the past few years. Um, but I haven't seen them live, so I can't say for sure. I, I Listen, if the Pixies were playing a reunion show across the street right now, would I stop the stream and go outside? I'd, I'd have to think about it. Love the Pixies, truly. But I'm not crazy about bands 30 years later getting back together. Although sometimes it works. Slow Dive just released an album, Flippin' Rules. Um, Dinosaur Jr. came back. They were great, still great. Uh, so you never know. You never quite know. I haven't read Pixie Strikes Back, the uh, the X-related book. Sir Gorlin asks, have I read Akira? I have read Akira. It's, number, it's the 470th best comic of all time. I do not love Akira as much as as its reputation would suggest. Um, I actually, I love Katsuhiro Otomo's vision. I love his style. The story left something to be desired. I actually think I have another Otomo book higher. Uh, yeah, Domo, A Child's Dream. I, I liked a lot more. I have it 368. Speaking of comics I liked a lot more, Kentaro Miura, Berserk, R.I.P. Kentaro Miura, his Berserk. I had it 366 after reading, like, the first five volumes, I want to say. Um, thought visually, 
action-wise, energy-wise, absolutely incredible. Did not fall head over heels for it. Since that time, which was several months ago, I've gone back to it. And I've been revisiting the saga of Guts. And in the earlier days, from where the series begins, holy guacamole, this book rules. <laughs> this book is so damn good. This is going to be one of the biggest jumps in in respect and in evaluation that I've ever had on a comic. Like, truly. Like, we're talking top 100 territory, if not higher, on this list. Like, just looking at it right now, if you said, what's better, Berserk or Ultimate Spider-Man? I think it's Berserk. Now, I'm like 30 volumes shy of finishing. <laughs> it's a lot of road to hoe. Apparently, it, Berserk just came back uh, posthumously through through some. that That's... Listen, if you know your manga, you know what's going on there. Uh, so there's there's a lot more to get into, but good golly, is that incredible. See, so yes, yes, I love Berserk. Christoph says here, do manga belong to your comics list? They do now. They do now. The only reason they didn't for a long time was was I just had no manga knowledge. I had hardly read any. So within the last, I don't know, year plus, I've been doing a little My Manga this year. I've been catching up on some of the classics, been working with Zach and Charlotte on some recommendations. Um, but I, uh, you know, I still have a lot of gaps. So if you're looking for gaps, I mean, manga is the most obvious opportunity for me. There's definitely the most good stuff there that I haven't read. I do have Pluto ranked as my 12th favorite comic of all time. Absolutely love the RSL work. Probably if I had read that at a more formative point in my life and getting into comics, you know, that's probably a top five book. I mean, just unimpeachably great. Pluto is absolutely ex excellent. So, yeah. So, yeah, keep the keep the wrecks coming. Keep the ideas coming. That's what's going to be happening over the next, you know, several weeks. I My goal is to do one new edition. <coughs> pardon me. One recommended entry per week. So, like, somebody says, hey, you got to read... Um, What's some stuff that come in so far? My Brother's Husband manga, Yatsuba the manga. Uh, what else? What else? Judas by Jeff Loveness. Um, we've had some, somebody somebody recommended Sonichu or Sonicu, whatever it is, which is this like very troubled <laughs> like web comic that was that was like a Sonic and Pokemon like childlike drawings, but from this adult, I guess. Uh, I guess if you know, you know, apparently it was quite all the rage in the 2000s. I started it, and it was just so sad. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. So, And that one's never technically, I don't think, been published. So, like, when we're talking worst, and that's the thing about the worst comics, okay, the quote-unquote worst here, all of these are verifiably competent. They are published by major outlets. They generally have creative talent who has otherwise done good things and made good comments. Or comics, right? And I was compelled for one reason or another to read the thing all the way through for those reasons, right? Like, there are comics that I have started or considered and just never finished, <clears throat> right? So when I'm talking worst comics, it's something that you're compelled to have read and have finished for one reason or another, right? As opposed to just, like, this was so awful it could never be published. Like, that doesn't count. Okay, that that's not something I'm especially interested in. But again, I'm mostly interested in in the good stuff. 
in the good stuff. All right, we're going to take a little break here from Big Water. Be right back. Oh, Comic Book Herald Live is brought to you by Big Water. Big Water, you can find it in your refrigerator. You can find it from your sinks. You can fill up a large water bottle today. No ice, no chill, just a big bottle of water. You can drink that down. Uh, no crystals, no supplements, nothing has been added. Pure water, straight to the dome. Chug it down. Ah, thanks, Big Water. All right, wrecks are still coming in. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing, spend some time going through these. Christoph says, "Let's talk Fall of X." Is that what we want to do? Is that what we want to do? Honestly, mostly I have notes here on Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil and Batman. <laughs> That's mostly what I want to talk about. Uh, we can talk a little Fall of X. Let's talk a little Fall of X. Just a little. Here's the thing about Fall of X. Apparently, everyone's leaving X-Men. <laughs> Apparently, if you're still playing along at home, you are in the minority. If comic shop retailers on social media are to be believed. Um, this is the big the big topic of conversation with retailers right now. Uh, there was a, a comic shop, I think a, a weekend or two ago, that tweeted something to the effect of like, 58, I think it was, percent of their X-Men subscribers had canceled, had straight up bailed on their X-Men books, and that they basically the framing was Fall of X is a massive jumping-off point. And that this era of X-Men comics had burned them badly. Was the general vibe. I have no reason to question their data and their own experiences. Obviously, one comic shop experience tends to be vastly different from what's happening to other comic book retailers. Um, that is also, you know, we do have to caveat as well, the reflections of the comic shop experience and selling print books based on a pre-order system that is quite antiquated, uh, does not capture digital sales, does not capture collected edition sales uh, in quite the same way, does not capture just like general enthusiasm other places okay so it might not be as bad as they're making it sound and they're also framing this this story of loss with the x-men franchise in the context of the hickman tax that's been put on god's number one which is selling uh, marvel's gonna sell first issues for ten dollars so it was kind of like we're barely ordering that house of x burned us here's why Okay, so the, the question it kind of generates is like, okay, is the Krakoa era actually over? Like, like are we the only hangers-ons here? Uh, I think the obvious answer here is like, well, no, clearly not. <laughs> right? Like, Fall of X. The Hellfire Gala this year was monumental. Uh, even if I don't think it was like a great A, A-plus knockout, I mean, stuff happened. Big things happened, uh, I think. X-Men comics are actually still in a pretty interesting place. There are two elite X-Men comics being sold right now, Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red. Children of the Vault is also excellent. Sabretooth was excellent. You get these occasional miniseries in this era that are excellent. We clearly are building from a fall to a rise and some next state 
<laughs> like, like if X-Men comics ended, or if this Krakoa era, rather, ended with the fall of X, that would be insane. <laughs> that would be so absolutely crazy if they ended with the fall of X. We're like, well, Krakoa failed, and mutants are hunted and hated, and uh, now we're back to the the worst things have ever been for mutant kind all that transformation completely undone there is no rise um welcome back to the mansion <laughs> it would be insane not impossible not impossible mind you but but truly pretty bonkers okay i i think this conversation and this commentary there's kind of a lot of moving parts in it i think part of it is the most obvious part to me that folks seem to be ignoring in this talk of like House of X promised transformation and it fell apart and X-Men fans are fed up with all this new change and all that. That feels kind of kind of wrong to me. And it, it seems to ignore, I think, the most important piece here, which is the Krakoa era of X-Men is longer now than all of Marvel now that entire era, it is approximately as long as DC's New 52 and DC Rebirth, okay? Eras of line-wide publishing that covered stretches of the whole publisher line in the in the 2000, 2010s. That's how long the Krakow era has been happening. It's already at about the... Um, you know, the the kind of the runtime that these things can cover. It's probably got about a year left. This phase of things. Now, people hear that, and they're like, a year left, and then the end of Krakoa? The end of this phase of a Krakoa saga does not have to dictate the end of Krakoa as a possible location in the Marvel Universe, right? As a possible home to mutant kind in the Marvel Universe. I remain of the, the opinion that Krakoa should exist like Wakanda and Latveria for the rest of Marvel's days. It's that good. House of X and Powers of Ten are going to have that kind of legs. You want to have a Krakoa, a mutant nation. Um, whether they're as wholly united can change, right? You can have a post-this-era phase where then new creators and new visions get to jump in. Tom Brevoort takes over as the new editor of X-Men, and a Krakoa exists, but the status quo shifts in a different direction. There are different focuses. Moira's not as big a player. Orcus is out of the picture, whatever, right? All that stuff can happen without getting rid of Krakoa, okay? Um, but the Krakoa era, the Hickman, the, you know, the, the era Hickman started with House and Powers, it's as long as, like, any previous modern era that has existed. It's already that long. It's not going to double the length of these things. That's not how attention spans work. That's not how comic fans' enthusiasm works. Marvel, Marvel actually, Marvel now is a bad example, but DC did not end the New 52 because it was doing so well, they just couldn't count all the money. <laughs> DC did not end DC Rebirth because they were worried fans would have too many good books and not enough time to read them. These things run a natural course. 
They do. And Krakoa is running a relatively natural course that should see an ending. An ending, this is comics, they go forever, an ending within the next year. There should be a fall of X, and then there should be a next stage. And anything beyond that would be something I've complained about myself, which is I don't want a, a line and a saga that feels like it's just kicking the can down the road. I do want to see what they have in mind. I do want to see intent and endings and a face. The original plan, as I kind of understood it, and folks have pushed back on this, but the original plan, as I kind of understood it, was a Hickman five-year run on X-Men. Like, that's what I expected. Now, when I shared some of this stuff on social, I did hear from some fans who said, like, when they pitched House and Powers, they pitched it as so transformative that it would last forever. I actually saw um, a, a CBH writer said, like, they pitched it as lasting 30 years, which is preposterously arrogant. Insanely arrogant. I love it. Absolutely love it. Completely unrealistic. Right? I mean, just beyond unrealistic that that this era could go for 30 years. Preposterous. Vass points out, Chris Claremont had 17 years. Yes, Chris Claremont had unprecedented success as the writer of the X-Men franchise, wrote the title for about 17 years. You can't really call it an era. You can because there's a creative consistency with an individual there. But it's not like Claremont transformed the thing and kept it in one place. You know? The the Claremont Cockrum, Claremont Burn stuff, compared to where X-Men comics are in the Down, Down Under era with Mark Silvestri and Inferno. I mean, I think probably you could call the Inferno saga... A piece, I guess if you wanted to, you could say the Claremont era can kind of be described as the Inferno Saga. And I guess technically you could run that from the beginning to like 1989, which is a long stretch. Okay, but that's that's a single creator on one, then one, two titles, you know, with a couple spinoffs. I'm just saying like the, the stuff they're trying to play with, they weren't trying to play with 15 titles, not even close. Not even close. Um, Violet says here in the chat, I'll be happy with an ending if they bring back Hickman to do it. It's actually kind of a tough one. It's actually kind of a tough one. It's a little bit like, like your dad leaves when you're four. Do you really want him back when you're 16? Or do you just think you do? I'm a little mad at dad. <laughs> right? Like... Does he get to step in and do the whole hoopla of, oh, here's the ending he had planned? Does he? I don't I don't know that that feels right. You know, Al Ewing's been here. Karen Gillen's been here. You haven't been here, Dad. Is this too personal? Maybe it's getting too personal. <laughs> I think most fans would be pretty excited. I think most fans would be pretty stinking exciting, excited. If, if Marvel said, you know, here's the big 12-issue ending, Jonathan Hickman, Pepe LaRoz are back. And I I would be as well. I can't pretend I wouldn't be. I mean, again, it's it's the thing we said. There's no, there's no situation 
where you could convince me, um, like, okay, there's a, there's a, you can step into this multiverse and the only difference, the only difference is Hickman stays on X-Men and sees it through for five years and then leaves the title. That's the only difference. I'd step into that multiverse. How could you not? Right? Um, I mean, like, it's... How could you not? Who didn't want that? Who's like, yeah, it's better this way? <laughs> right? It's not. It's not. That said, other creators have continued doing pretty interesting things. Pretty good things. Uh, Daryl asks, where does Chuck Austin X-Men rank? You know what? I don't know that I ever ranked it. I will say... I do not, and I've probably talked about this before, I do not have the fan rage that a lot of the, the Chuck, that a lot of X-Men fans seem to have had throughout the 2000s for Chuck Austin. I actually think those comics are more or less fine. There are some really bad moments, definitely. Um, and I'm not like a huge advocate, but there are actually some interest. there's some interesting stuff in there. I, I do not carry the, these are the worst things to ever happen, uh, you know, kind of hate that fans do with that run. So if I haven't ranked it, it, it'd be, you know, in the 600s or something. Like, it's it's fine. <coughs> Demaria says, Hickman returning to write an ending just feels like damage control to me. Yeah. It, like, it would definitely reek of a genuine desperation. Um, there's no way around that. Doesn't mean it still wouldn't be a good thing doesn't mean it still couldn't lead to something interesting but there would definitely be a part of me that's like you know you, you kind of you had your chance um and then of course i buy all 12 issues and be super excited about them all right let's see what other thoughts so how do we get there how do we get oh the question being is krico over no clearly not <laughs> clearly not um i i think even if i think there's a there's a section a segment of fandom that was always bothered by the transformation of House and Powers. And I think if you fall into that segment of fandom, we do not share tastes. We do not share visions for what we hope for from Marvel and DC Comics. Because as a fan of good comic book storytelling, the thing I am most interested and excited in is transformation, is taking something that we know and love and putting a fresh coat of paint on it and saying, but what about this? Have you considered this angle? Has anyone tried this before? How can we make it look like we're breaking into a new cycle? You know, and I, it, I was going to talk a little about Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil. One thing that Zdarsky does really well in the back half, I finally read the, the second half, the 14 issues with Zdarsky and primarily Marco Cicchetto, and it continues a very good Daredevil run. I've seen some folks describe it as like, oh no, this is the best Daredevil run? Like, Calm down. <laughs> There's so many good Daredevil runs. It's really good, though. Um, and it talks a lot about, like, all these characters, all these people just trapped in the same cycles. And there's a meta-narrative to that, of course, with superhero comics, where it's like all the toys kind of get back in the box. There's literally a new Daredevil number one today. And Salad and Ahmed and Aaron Cooter are tasked with the ridiculous challenge of walking back and just kind of moving on from everything Zdarsky and Chiquetto did, okay? 
and uh, it's a mild spoiler here, I guess, for the end of this Daredevil run, but, like, they don't leave him alive and well. <laughs> you know? And now a new creative team has to come in and say, ah, but here's our vision for what Daredevil can be. You know? And you kind of, Zdarsky and Chiquetto get about as close as you can to telling a story and ending it as you can do in the cyclical, repetitive nature of superhero comics. Those are the runs that matter. Those are the runs that stand out, are the ones that, that take such ownership of a thing that they have endings. We don't ever get endings in superhero comics, you know? So when they happen, they're incredibly exciting. They should be celebrated. I'm excited for this era of Krakoa to end, not because I want it to be over, but because I want it to land a story. I want it to take the promise of what was built and bring it somewhere and have all of that be worth it. You know, that's a good story. It's not just set up an unrealized promise forever and ever. Amen. So anyway, I, yeah, I mean, for the fans who are like, I can't wait to be done with Grakoa, like you've probably felt that way from jump in some capacity. Not that it hasn't lost steam. Not that there haven't been missteps. Not that we're in a different place now than than X-Men comics felt like they even were, you know, in, in early 2020. Very different. Totally. Uh, but again, like, when you still have two elite titles in Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red, and you still have the capacity and a structure for a miniseries like a Sabretooth or like a Children of the Vault... You're kind of you're kind of pulling at an idealized nostalgia that isn't that didn't exist. If you're saying things were better, things were better in 2017 with X Men Blue and X Men Gold, trying for nostalgia in their own ways. Things were better in 2011. Even, you know, they weren't. Things were better in 2005. They weren't. Things were better in 1996. Nope. They weren't. Okay? So I think he, there's there's an inability with certain segments of fandom to enjoy the even the, the appearance of progress. You know? Anyway. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Okay checking through the chat here what do we got what do we, we got time talking about anything else okay x-men red uh like i said i haven't read the comics today um except for x-men red x-men red's phenomenal as always ellie ewing's flipping incredible uh this book is the absolute jewel of the x-men line right now i think probably its biggest the biggest challenge that x-men red has right now kind of the fall of x is it's super important to kind of what's happening in the big picture like the civil war on mars and on Araco means a lot for where mutants can escape to the fact that it's not a safe place i think that one of the challenges it faces right now is it's not central to like a core narrative of where the whole franchise is going you know it's kind of tertiary which is probably good in terms of allowing ewing to do his things he couldn't tell a fisher king story if, if he had to move, you know, that much plot along. But it's definitely, I mean, Duggan's X-Men is number one in terms of um, 
relevant big picture plot and then immortal x-men is number two and then everything else kind of gets to do its its secondary story right um so so x-men red is kind of it's, it's the situation ewing runs into a lot where he's kind of just like caught at the edges of larger narratives but isn't controlling them himself even though he is like unquestionably elite <laughs> like like his stuff is so damn good again if you pull ewing out of the marvel lineup right now marvel comics is dead in the water okay quality wise doesn't mean there aren't other good creators or good books but like so much of it is ewing's so anyway brayden says x-men red shouldn't be a krakoa book I think eventually you could get to the point where Araka was its own thing. Right now, you definitely can't. Um, I do like the idea of it kind of becoming its own thing. I would like to see a bunch of Araka in these new characters as part of, like, the new X-Men title that's coming down the road. You know? I think that could be really cool. Um, but yeah, this book this book's excellent. Like, what, what more do you want to say? This book's so stinking good. Uh, the Titan asks, you don't like the Messiah trilogy. I didn't say that. <laughs> Did not say those words unless you're responding to somebody else in the chat. Um, I just said it's not It's not as good. Uh, it doesn't have... The Messiah complex trilogy did not have the same capacity for elite X-Men stories that the Krakoa era has. There's nothing in the Messiah Complex era that I would rather read than Immortal X-Men or X-Men Red. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm pretty confident I'm right. I think the only thing that comes close, actually, I, the one caveat, uh, Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender, Jerome Pena, and collaborators, full note is in there. Uh, that's, that's great. I loved Uncanny X-Force. That is technically a utopia... Is that post-Second Coming? It's between Second Coming and Avengers vs. X-Men, I think. That's 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 where X-Men Red and, and Immortal X-Men are, though, for me. Are, like, in contention with that book. And that's where you have Reminder at the peak of their Marvel powers, which is where I think Gillen and Ewing are, too. Like, part of this, too, is, like, where are you catching the creators in their careers? You know? Gillen had another swing at X-Men. There's interesting stuff in there. But they are a much more confident, skilled storyteller a decade later. Um, Ed Brubaker is involved in the Messiah Complex, right? Nowhere near their best work. Their cap is way better. Their pulp stuff with Sean, Sean Phillips is way better, right? So it's kind of where you catch the creator and, you know, is, is it the fit? Uh, so again, it's, it's not shaded the Messiah complex so much as just like the the idealized nostalgia of those books is more exciting by comparison than the actual comparison of the text. Xavier asked a good question, and we're getting towards the end here, so get in any any final questions or thoughts. So, what would be the perfect new writer protagonist combo book to re-energize the X titles? Hmm. It is a tough one. I would definitely need to think about it in some detail to get this right. I I do think... It's a tough one. I mean, I think the new X-Men pitch that they have coming is tentatively pretty exciting. 
if you have an apocalypse-led X-Men team, you throw Ewing or Gillen on that. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I don't necessarily want to play Creator Bingo right now because I haven't thought about it, you know? And I, I think the same names tend to get kind of recycled in these conversations, you know? People are like, oh, put Jeb McKay on it. It's like, yeah, he's doing good other stuff. Put Ryan North on it. Yeah, he's doing good other stuff. Put Chip Zdarsky on it. Yeah, he's doing good other stuff. Like, I, I think one of the better things that actually the Krakoa era has done well is nobody was talking about Victor Laval writing superhero comics. Okay? Comes in, Sabretooth is one of the best books of this era. Nobody was really talking about Zeb Wells doing big superhero books again. And Hellions was excellent. No, I will not be talking about Amazing Spider-Man at this time. And then you have uh, Dennis Camp coming in off of 20th Century Man, which is incredible, doing a really interesting Children of the Vault already. I think there's been a nice, not a great, but an occasionally nice job of taking swings on creators who are on their way up and giving them at-bats. You know, I think one thing that, that, I mean, sports do the same thing all the time. Right, um, just saw it with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, which is you know, injuries happen. But it's like a lot of franchises will say, "Let's get the guy who used to be good, and hope that he's still good." Right, somebody who's already kind of peaked and is in a different phase of their career, as opposed to let's catch somebody who's in their second year and is on the way up. You know, um, so I think when people throw names out, they're saying people who have had these long sustained careers. But are they doing their best work right now? Or is their best work about to come? Like, that's the challenge that you have editorially, which is obviously a massive challenge. You have to take swings on things, and some of those swings are going to miss. Uh, I'm seeing Kenji's here say, Immortal Wolverine by Scott Snyder and Greg Capulo. Like, that's kind of an example of saying. But at the same time, like, like I wouldn't buy that book? <laughs> of course I would. Of course. But that I think also that like, that's not going to happen. I mean, that seems that seems very unlikely. It would be kind of fascinating. It would be kind of fascinating. Can't pretend that it wouldn't. Um, it's a really hard one. It is. I don't, I don't necessarily envy that challenge. For sure. And it's one of those things, too, where I think... I don't know that we're... We're in kind of maybe a transition period. Marvel certainly is. But I think maybe as like, as an industry, like as fans of the medium, there's kind of a transition right now of who you think of as the biggest names in comics and like big two comics specifically versus who actually is, you know, because a lot of the biggest names are, are all folks who were like really hot in 2010. And it's like, it's 13 years later. It's not the same crowd as it was. You know, and some of those people just don't seem interested anymore either, which is fine. Like once you build up a big enough name for yourself, you know, a lot of these creators want to do their creator own stuff, understandably. <clears throat> you know, like like if you could just have your pick of folks and say everything's going to be great. You just want the best talent. I mean, you put James Tynion on an X book. You put Tom King on an X book. You'd put, you know, like you said, Snyder and Capulo. You'd get Marjorie Liu and Sonny Takeda. You know, you just get these creative powerhouses on X books. 
That'd be cool. It would. Um, Hickman and LaRoz back, right? I think Brubaker and Phillips want to do Madrix, Noir, Mutant stuff. They probably don't. They probably really super don't. <laughs> As fandom, would we enjoy that? Of course. Of course. Um, ooh, Jordan here suggests Zoe Thorogood on It's Lonely at the Center of Krakoa. One of the best. Actually, that was my favorite comic of all last year was It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth by Zoe Thorogood. That, like, that's a that's exactly where you want to catch a creator, I think. Good pick. Good pick. Okay. I think we're at the end. We can do any final questions or thoughts. Uh, thanks for hanging on a weird stream. <laughs> maybe, maybe next week won't be as weird, but I promise nothing. Vas said, I want Laraz back on the X-Men books. Unfortunately, he is wasting his time at the moment. Perhaps one day. One day soon. Any final thoughts here? Kenji says, Venom 25 and Avengers Inc. number one were more Ewing greatness. I think everyone should check out. Thanks for the rec. I'm going to read those as soon as I'm done here. As soon as I'm done here and the kids are in bed, we'll be reading some more Ewing comics. Let's see. What else do we got? All right. So get in your recommendations for me for comics to read and try to rank. Best comics of all time or worst comics of all time. Okay. That was, that was shared earlier. Um, there's a good My Marvelous Year episode out this week. I did it with Charles Pulliam Moore. Uh, culture critic at the verge we talk the very end of grant morrison's new x-men the uh here comes tomorrow arc with mark silvestri and then the transition to astonishing x-men by joss whedon and john cassidy great episode check it out that's on my marvelous year podcast and uh, what else oh coming soon i'm gonna be recording convincible number one what is convincible it's where I try to convince my co-host, Zach, that Invincible is an excellent comic book. So if you have thoughts on how I should go about convincing Zach, the hater, that Invincible is fantastic, let me know because Convincible is on its way. I'm excited for that one. And again, that'll be on the My Marvelous Year podcast feed. Xavier says, read Radiant. Presumably you're talking about Radiant Black. I read the first arc. And I've bounced in on a couple of the tie-ins. Orange and pink and a little red. <sighs> and it hasn't won me over. Um, I, I I had a plan to read the second and third volumes of Radiant Black, and I, just, I did other stuff instead. But I'm curious. I'm curious. All right. Kenji says, looking forward to the Zach first day battle. It's going to be good. Convincible is going to be... We're going to make it an, I think, eight-episode miniseries. We're going to read through all of Invincible. So we're going to do one Ultimate Collection at a time. Actually, I think each episode will be about one and a half Ultimate Collections. <coughs> My hope, and listen, if you have pull, if you have sway, help me make this happen. My hope is to surprise Zach with Robert Kirkman on the podcast at some point. If I can surprise Zach on an episode of Convincible by pulling in Robert Kirkman himself <laughs> to help me convince Zach why Invincible is good, I will have won. I'm confident of this. Um, if you have pull, let me know how to do that. Okay, let's see. Any final thoughts? Any final questions? Xavier says, no, not Radiant Black. Radiant the French Manga. That sounds like an amazing joke, but I think you're serious. 
I think you're serious. That's incredible. Okay, I'm looking this up. I will I will check out this book. Uh, okay. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Weird stream. We did it. We did it together. Am I looking directly in the camera? I think I am. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the comics.